Sydney Clouder back at it. We're here talking postseason trades, delistings, the AFLW recent draft, and the, more of the 2019 postseason. The expectations we had, I guess, following our last podcast. I'm going to introduce myself back to the panel, along with, as usual, Jake and Alt. How are we, guys? Good, Rose. Good to have you back after your unfortunate basketball injury. Reached the front page of the Geelong Addy. <laughs> and, yeah. Local hero smashes arm in <laughs> violent basketball accident. <laughs> it wasn't a trip. Um, <laughs> since then, since our last podcast we recorded, four players so far have been delisted by the Cats, namely Jermaine Jones, Jordan Cunico, Scott Selwood, who's since taken a development coach role with Collingwood, and now Wiley Bozzer, who's been linked to Port Adelaide. Mm. Uh, whether that has any legs to it or not, we'll see, I guess. But thoughts there first off on, I guess, we've seen JJ's senior games, and same for Cunico's. In 2018, they did show a lot of promise, JJ being that the Energizer Bunny at times. We still remember his game against Sydney, mm-hmm. especially Jake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember how many tackles he had. 11, uh, 11 so yeah. it was over double figures, yeah. yeah. And Jordan Cunico looked like maybe a player that could provide a, a bit of a spark on the wings at times. I guess with the, the names buzzing around in the VFL this season, who have really showed their merits, um, there's a hierarchy, <laughs> and especially yeah. when Scott Selwood only plays two, three games in the whole season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard for for Cunico or, or Jermaine Jones to get games when Grime Myers and Atkins and the the Bulls up forward are playing so well. But are you slightly concerned or you thought like it was... What, what, are the, what are the initial thoughts? Yep. Um, yeah, well, uh, I was surprised... Um, particularly on Cunico, um, because I thought that he he had an, enough to probably warrant a, a spot on the um, on the list. I thought he had enough to to warrant a spot, um, but perhaps not the not the sort of player that we we wanted, or or maybe um, there's far too probably. Far too many ahead of him, in in a similar role, um, and just the bad luck of the timing of his injury and the extent of his injury meant that he didn't get a long term go at it. Mm. Um, yeah, and maybe the factor that, that the players that we did have during the season for their contract that was due to expire at the end of twenty nineteen. One, namely, being Nakai Cockatoo, being extended for a year, the the Dan Menzel extension, if you like. Um, obviously, a player that provides a bit more promise, assuming he is fit, um, whether it be up forward or whether it be in the midfield. Then, I guess, weighing up a few options there. Yeah. Mm. Any surprises there, Jake? Buzzer, Cunico, JJ... And Wally Buzz, sorry, Buzzer, Kiniko, JJ, and Scott Selwood. No, it's, I mean you, you look at it in hindsight now, and you can probably see that every decision is really justified. Um, 
obviously the trade period came into effect of a lot of things so pretty much you know buzzer came out for jenkins yeah. you know scooter or kuniko came out for jack steven so and obviously they're they're probably eyeing some specific players off in the draft considering the draft hand that we do have this year and it's never an, an easy you know time of year and it would be a terrible job for you know the list manager or whoever to make those decisions and tell those players but yeah certainly i i think they're all justified and obviously you'd want them all to play every single game possible and perform at their maximum but that's just not how it works and every mm. team and every list has to make those decisions uh, each week um yeah the, someone has to miss yeah out. the the one that i thought was maybe the least justified was probably scott selwood but i'm I'm a big fan of him personally, and I, I I always comment back on to like 2016, 2017 when he came in and had that forward role where he was just tackling everyone, but he, his injuries just weren't helping him at all, and he just, like you said, he only played three games this season, so yeah, it was hard to, to keep him in. We do have players like Constable and all those sort of likes in the VFL. And he would be on far greater... Monetary-wise, <laughs> compared to yeah. some of the, the younger rookies or the rookies looking to extend the contracts at the moment. Talk a bit, a bit more at the moment, given that the trades that we have included, Josh Jenkins comes into the club, Tim Kelly comes out. So Tim Kelly, huge surprise, wasn't it, the last 18 months that he was going to leave the club? Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's nice that this is finally done and dusted and there's, I guess, no more prolonged speculation or talk yeah. about this in the paper. We got a fantastic deal out of it in the end. So we did. Well done to Daniel Wells and all of the, the recruitment. Stephen Wells. Oh, Stephen Wells. Daniel Wells Danny is Wells. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, well done, Daniel. <laughs> Maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> no, it was pretty amicable from all all parties involved and I think everyone got a really good deal out of it. Um, the only asterisk is that Ollie and I were saying in the last pod that we might have just given West Coast the key to the next premiership next year. But uh Potentially they're a competitor. Yeah. But at, at the same time you gotta think, well when's the well, last time yeah. we've had two first rounders? Um Cats got out of the TK trade, pick fourteen, pick twenty four, pick thirty seven, and a future first rounder for 2020. Now, some of those picks were used uh, for some other players, namely Josh Jenkins, pick 37. Zach Smith exited the club in return for pick 58 to the Cats. And pick 58 was used to gain Jack Stevens. Mm. So TK goes out, Zach Smith goes out. Zach Smith, a player that's been on the fringes for a few seasons now, you'd think would be on a little bit of money when he came over originally mm. to Geelong. Um, and when you have players that, such as Ryan Abbott that are playing ahead of him, I guess it, it makes sense that they haven't shown faith in him for best part of over two seasons. Um, that pick 58 to get Stephen for that. Zach Smith for Stephen, really, in... If that's a trade, it's phenomenal. A, it's phenomenal work from um from Stephen Wells, though. To be honest, yeah. To to somehow convince St Kilda that a four time best and fairest player is only worth a pick in the fifties, mm. um, it's you know it's another one of these rabbit out of the hat type scenarios for 
Stephen Wells. I think initially, initially the talk was whether St Kilda wanted a second rounder or that pick 37, pick 38. And all the talk from some AFL media journalist was whether it'll be pick 37 or pick 38 that gets the job done. Pick 58 yeah. that gets the job done. <laughs> Allows us to use pick 37 to get Josh Jenkins from the Adelaide Crows. Who's a proven goal kicker, mind you. Rounder. Now, Jake... Thoughts here, okay. We've lost TK, yes. and yet is a big loss in the midfield. Yes. Obviously, in comes Jack Stephen and Josh Jenkins. For mind, Zach Smith isn't a loss purely because he hasn't been playing many games the last few seasons. I think he only played two, three games last season, mm. and even then, the games that he did did play in, from memory, they were all at Kidney Park. And from memory, they were all relatively straight wins. Mm. There was there was the one in Sydney where he came in, and he had a yep. couple of iffy moments. But he was he was pretty, um, he was he was okay in every game. But I think him going, and I think he has every right to go and try and get more senior game time because he is worth a senior rut mm. position. And that allows them to use Ben Absolutely. exclusively yeah. as yeah. a full forward, not after. But that might help us in, in our issue of having too many rucks as well because now there's less of a, a merry-go-round of ruckmen coming in and out and that might help just solidify exactly what we think we want to do. Um, yeah, I, I think that was a good decision, obviously, because it led to the, the Stephen trade. And our ins in, in regards to the trade uh, season in Stephen and Jenkins, they're both they're not guaranteed to be at their absolute peak but they're a risk worth taking, I think. Uh, Stephen could be that you know mid-forward type role that he has played in the last couple of seasons at St Kilda, and he's, he, he's won games for them this year yeah. playing that role, especially yeah. that Fremantle one. And Jenkins has the third or fourth highest goal kicking rate against top eight teams since 2014. So it's not like they're just some... Yeah, know, they're, they're from not, like a, not, a bottom team. They're not shocking players. Yeah. They're, and they're, if we get they're solid contributors, if we get something out of them like what we've got from Ablett at his age, and yeah. you know I'm not comparing Jack Stephen or Josh Jenkins <laughs> to Ablett, but if we can get you know a certain percentage out of them, it's still going to be worth it considering what we've paid for them. Well, who do we want to start talking about specifically, Josh Jenkins or Jack Stephen? Oh, right, right, right. Stephen was the one that had the most. Stephen? Yeah, Stephen was the one that had the most. Uh, people talking about him and that was pretty much guaranteed halfway through the season that he was coming to Geelong um, obviously he had you know mental health issues and was off for long periods of the time during the season and it looks now hopefully that he's gotten over a lot of those those issues and, and we were talking off air in, in our chat um, that Geelong seemed to have a really good record of you know bringing players home like you look at Dalhouse, yep. Dangerfield even Lockie Henderson has performed mm. at a, an adequate level since he came to Geelong. And, uh, you know, Dalhouse is a, a perfect example because you look at some of his celebrations when he kicks goals and how happy he seems at the club. And hopefully you just they just get that, you know, extra wind in the sails and that breath of fresh, fresh air, air. Yep. and their and their output goes up 10% or 15%. Yeah, yep. and an extra 15% from, from Jack Stephen is going to help us um, a, a, a fair bit I would think it may not um, totally uh, you know make up for the loss of someone of the quality of Tim Kelly but it'll go a fair way to 
um, mitigating the uh, or, or minimising the, yeah. the loss. But at the same time, this is a, a player that's played 183 games. It's been around the blocks for St Kilda. Four best and fairest we know of. We know his issues, well documented in 2019 regarding mental health. Um, so only managed the seven games. Came back towards the end of the season and it was a specific game where he kicked three goals and looked on fire coming mm. back from the, the Sandy Dragons. Yeah. Um, so if Assuming he has a fully fit pre-season, um, the body's fit, there's no reason why Stephen can't make a, a contribution. Good, yeah. The thing is with Jack Stephen, he, for pick 58, he's a contested bull and he's done this all throughout his career. Okay, fair enough, 2019, the seven games and circumstances surrounding this, yes, obviously his stats and his performances were below par, averaging around 19 disposals. If we look prior to that, 2018, averaging 27 disposals. 2016, 26.3 disposals. The year before that, um, 2015, Sorry, 2015, 26.9 disposals. 2016, was 28 disposals. Since 2013, 26.9 disposals. So all throughout, that's a good five, six year period where it's averaged around 26, 29 disposals. The thing that I was interested in here was, okay, we've lost Tim Kelly and all the talk around being an All-Australian, a fantastic player at 25 years of age. What a pickup as a second round pickup, second year footballer, etc. We got him for nothing, and then we upgraded on the pick that we got him for. Mm. I'm looking at the similarities here in terms of the type of player. Tim Kelly, maybe more slick. Obviously, picking up the ball looks like a perfect wet-weather footballer, faster. TK, Mm. 182 centimetres. Jack Stephen, 180. TK, listed 81 kegs. Mm. Jack Stephen, 83. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, this is throughout their career average, so I'm... Obviously, Stephen's career average will have been lowered a little bit through his games played last season. Uh, inside 50s, TK averages 4.2. Stephen, 4.1. Goal assists, TK, 0.6. Stephen, 0.5. Score involvements, TK, 6.3. Stephen, 5.7. Now, this was the key in 2019 for me, which was the change from 2018 and Geelong's football under Chris Scott before that was the offensive defensive work, if you like, from Grant Myers, from Tom Atkins, from yeah, so Dalhouse yeah. <laughs> towards the front of the field and in the midfield. Jack Stephen, career averaging tackles, 4.6, Tim Kelly, 3.9. More time in for 50 than Tim Kelly. Exact same rebound 50s, 1.4. Tim Kelly and Jack Stevens. Disposals, 24.2 to TK, 23.9 to Jack Stevens. Excluding mm. last season, Jack Stevens would have been well higher than that and would have been above TK. Disposal efficiency goes Jack Stevens' way, 70% to 64%. I'm getting here at the similarities in terms of the player that we've lost and the player that we're bringing in here, the one that really, really gets me excited <laughs> is the clearances and the contested possessions. Yep. So over Stephen's career, looking at the last six years, for most of those six years, he's averaged around 9.5 to 10.5 contested disposals 
per game. So if he's averaging around 26, 27 disposals per game, around 10 of those are contested. And that's when you look at Dangerfield's numbers as well. <laughs> Obviously Dangerfield being contested bull in the competition. He's up there with Jack Stephen. Mm. He's actually relatively close. I think Dangerfield averages about 13, 14 contested. Stephen around 9.510. So if you're looking for these bullish type players that they've introduced in 2019, for at the end of 2018, Grind Myers, Tom Atkins, Dow House, um, a bit Darryl more grunt Ryan. in the midfield. Last season, we were even suggesting maybe, well, Jed Buse would be a player to put on the wing at times or mm. even in the guts, just because of his hunger. Mm. So, Stephen, assuming he gets a fully fit preseason, I don't see why. It's not he, a bit, yeah, it's not, there's, there's pick, pick no real, yeah, there's, there's, pick 58. There's nothing really bad that can come from it. No. No, so I'm granted, not... granted that he, granted that he's healthy, and yeah. granted that uh, everything goes as it should. Yeah, it'll be a successful decision. And obviously, Tim Kelly's last two seasons at the Cats, they've been phenomenal for a, a player that's just come into AFL. So I'm not comparing directly Jack Stevens' capabilities that he is the the quality of a player of Tim Kelly, but looking at the type of player that we've brought in to fill a void of a player that has been brought out of the club with a lot of draft picks in place now, which we'll talk about a little bit further, Mm. not since we have in a while, Mm. last time we had this amount of draft picks and all these quality Mm. amounts of draft picks. Um, James Kelly and others (laughs) picked up. So I think it's a fantastic pick up in terms of the type of player so you're saying basically it's statistically a like for like no not not a like a for like i think there's similarities yeah. i think there's similarities he's certainly going to plug the hole that kelly's left yeah, I, he's no you, slouch you can't replace tim kelly as a player because look at the style he plays yeah and mm. you can't replace that be the same as ablett in the forward pocket you can't replace that with a player I guess the only one I could think of that comes to mind in the competition would be Eddie Betts at the moment in terms of ground ball work in, in Ford 50 at the mm. moment. Um, even then wouldn't rack up the amount of same disposals or... Yeah, we saw the start midweek. I think every Cats fan has seen it in terms of ground ball. Ford 50, Ablett was top of that list. I think Grian Myers was even... 52, the, yeah, yeah, and Myers was 49, but Ablett was yeah. first in the league for ground ball gets inside of 50 yeah. which is insane considering mm. the the quality of some of the small forwards in the comp at the moment like mm. look at Charlie Cameron and Ablett's getting there but that that could just be an experiencing knowing where to run yeah knowing when to run yeah and getting there yeah so obviously there's a player Jack Stephen older yep 2930 limited time left on his career in the guts you'd think but at the same time we saw at the end of last season, you can't put a full forward and mm. <laughs> he can do a job itself. That may take the pressure off Dangerfield, who we saw against the Richmond match, not spending some time in the centre, mm. which frustrated some Geelong fans. Even at the game, some Richmond fans are being frustrated the amount of time Dusty was spent forward. Um, definitely turned it on grand final day, but <laughs> that's a different story. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a smart move. For pick 58, it's a smart move in terms of what he's provided. I don't really think that there's too much, too much to, lose. to lose at all. Now, in 
terms of Josh Jenkins, he's a player that's kicked over two goals for the games that he's played. I think he's played 147 games from memory. He's kicked he's more than two goals for that. Yeah. yeah. And for, with the exception, again, this is a season at Adelaide. I think he has to be taken into consideration that this has been an exceptional season for Adelaide where they have underperformed to the most extreme. Yeah. Than anyone could have thought. Yeah. With the players that they have on their list. When you think back to 2017 and their forward line, Charlie Cameron, mm. um, Tex Walker, Josh Jenkins, Eddie, Eddie Betts. Betts. Yep. It, it just looked, Lynch. it seemed the yeah. perfect forward line. Yep. Yeah. The perfect forward line. We know Tom Hawkins is a better forward than Tex Walker. All Australians suggested that. This yep. year suggested that. We've got Asava who's coming through. We know he's been doing some rock work duties. Now, there was some games in 2019 where Josh Jenkins didn't play. He only managed the 11 games. But he kicked, Similarly to did he, 22 goals. Yeah. So, going so he two was, goals he was goals dead on his average. Yeah. And on top of that, because of Source Jacobs' own injury problems and ROB had to come in, had to do some ruck work and yeah, was Jen- averaging Jenkins over was- six... Like per game. up the ground on, on the wing for some games too. So that would have affected his exactly. average as well on top of Adelaide's terrible performances. Yep. So with three forwards and assuming that Hawkins has got one, potentially two years left in his career mm. at the Cats, maybe that takes some of the ruck work off Asava or maybe we could... It, you have that ability. Yeah. Yep. Instead of being pretty much kind of... Well, yep. Only stand ruck rotating yeah. Asava, you're a half forward ruck rotator. Yeah. When really in the future we need to look at a real key forward here, which we know don't grow on trees, mm-hmm. especially even if you get a, a Ben King in the draft or a Jack Lacocious, they take more than five years to build. Yeah. Mm. Um. So fantastic, fantastic pickup, and for pick thirty-seven, it's not uh, much. again. It's probably it's probably worth it because the um. The future, uh, I think the future pick that was also um, like traded in the background, or you know, one of these like third round. I think we sent a when it sent a third and got a fourth back as well, something like that. But I think that was also tied to. So the crows and that and that and that could twenty twenty third rounder. Yeah, Yeah. and that could potentially and that would end up being in the thirties anyway. So it's like you haven't. You haven't really spent anything, and you've no. just got, you know, a, a proven goal kicker that can do a job up forward. Um, and uh, the other thing to mention was probably the the fact that they're looking. Well, you would think they're looking uh, at um, grooming Sav to play more ruck time, and and that's the question that comes out of it too. Can you fit Stanley? Asava, Jenkins, and Hawkins in the one team. I you think can, you can. You can earn, I wouldn't. Oh. I think you can. I think you can I'd, fit three. I think max. you can fit three. I don't know if you could fit all. all but all in of saying them. that, Jenkins is quite mobile. He's not just a tall guy. He used to play. He had obviously has a basketball background. Yep. So he's not just stick him in the ruck or forward, and that's the only thing you can do. He can certainly play 
like what Rewalt sort of did at the end of his career. And I think Matthew Richardson played on the wing at some points as well. Like you could have Jenkins as that like legitimate wing kicking target who can take marks and then you know handball or kick it off to a, the next target down the line because you can certainly take a mark. Particularly if we like to use the wings as we typically well, in the semi final to do. How did our full line produce? Sav kicked the most goals he's ever kicked, and Hawks was on fire yep. that night. Mm. And that's relying on two players. One, Sav, who has to fill in doing, doing rock duty at yep. the time for Ray Stanley as well. Now, and that game as well, specifically, Blitz was played on the wing. If we consistently play Blitz down forward, well, freeze down, up... Down, uh, down back. Down back, yeah. sorry. Yep. Yep. Freeze up Stanley yep. to just focus on ruck work and when needs a break whether it be Sava, even if it's up forward, then, yep, Hawk or JJ, I think JJ would probably give it to you this time in Hawk's career, can do a bit of ruck work, ruck assistance. But I think why not? With the crumbing you've got around them, Mm. the balls that go into the forward 50, and there were times this season where it was literally Hawk one on two, and Asava, we have to bear in mind, is still learning his craft. But he's not learning his craft in one role as mm-hmm. a full forward or half forward. He's learning it as a full forward, a half forward, and a ruckman. <laughs> All three. So, assuming Blitz is down back, assuming that there's no wing decisions, um, and we can even talk about that if you want. We'll, we'll talk after we go through uh, the trades and, and the drafts, talk from Stephen Wells' department. We can talk post-season a little bit more. Mm. I think why not? Adelaide showed it, and they reached the grand final with more than three forwards, more than three tall forwards. Mm. Does it make does it um, make it does it make the game simplified for Asava if you just give him the one? I think so. Role you reckon? Yeah, I think so. That's a fair argument. I think so. And you look at Richmond now, and everyone had the question mark of, oh, okay, well, Tom Lynch heading to the club, two forwards really is that necessary? But you look this season, and even the games towards the latter part of the season where Tom Lynch did play, Dusty played forward. And effectively, knowing Dusty's power and his marking capability, he's almost a third forward in yeah. itself. It's like sticking Dangerfield forward. Yeah, yeah. Even though in 2019, he kicked like an Oz kicker. <laughs> <laughs> At times, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> but you see the the added benefit, and the first half of the season we did with Gary Rowan being a six foot three, yeah, small forward. Again, keep raising this as a marking target, yeah, and kick nineteen goals, mm-hmm. nearly twenty goals halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. I don't see any loss in having three forwards: Hawkins, JJ, Josh Jenkins, and Asava on the ground, knowing that. One of them will be rotated on the mm. bench, whether it be Stanley, yeah. Asava, to have two options. Well, certainly, if, if they're all playing in the same team, certainly you can't have all four on the ground at one time. It would be, yeah. like you said, a specific rotation plan set in place, or yeah. one would come off for the other. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable discussion that, that ought to be had, so you know, it's probably a fair point to raise. Yeah, and... It, Talk about improvement. The last forward, I guess, that we 
recruited from another club from Essendon. Who was was that old? Uh, Cramery, yeah. Cramery. In my books, Josh Jenkins is a, a huge upgra- upgrade from Stuart Cramery. Mm-hmm. And we never even played Cramery. Yeah. We played three or four games and was just sitting there waiting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he was decent in the games he did play. Yeah. So, you flash back to two or three years ago, and everyone will remember Josh Jenkins having some sly digs at Patrick Dangerfield for leaving the club and not now winning a premiership um, just before they played Richmond in the Mm -hmm. grand final. And a couple of years later, it's the same man that's joining the Geelong Cats. He was on his knees to Paddy, ask him to put a good word in at the club so he could actually get picked up because yeah. it didn't look like anyone was going to get him yeah. till last minute. But from all reports, Paddy seemed to yeah, put the good word in and get him in the door last minute. Hmm. Yeah. So at, at least there's a succession plan of sorts going, looking in the forward line, looking at what Hawks injuries have been, hearing him speak um, mid-season as we did Jake about... Um, his longevity, maybe, at yeah, the Cats. He didn't sound confident. I think no. I think he's yeah. got one really good season left in him, but yeah, yeah, he did not sound confident that he'd have more than that. He'd mm. probably just be, you know, chugging around the forward line in the goal square classic yeah. style, but yeah. there's not real much room for that anymore in, in, modern, uh, in the modern game. So mm. one more year and one last crack seems to be the theme. Uh, for most of the conversations we're having all about the Cats for next season. Yeah. So I think it's fantastic trade period, what we have achieved. Um, the day listings, um, I guess we thank them for their contribution Definitely. on and off the field. Um, but the trades as well, Zach Smith and Scott Selwood would be on a wage that guys like Jordan Cunico or Jermaine Jones may not be. Yeah. Um, and that eases up getting Josh Jenkins or Jack Stephen to the club. So it frees up a little bit of the books there. Yeah, it was it was a necessary necessary step hmm. to take. With that in mind as well, we talk about all these two players and what they might bring to the club. And now our indicative draft order as it stands, Geelong hold pick 14 from the TK deal. Pick 17 from where we finished in 2019. Pick 24 from the TK deal. Pick 36 and pick 93. So two first rounders, two second rounders and a late fifth rounder. Four picks within the top 40. Yep. For the first time in some time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's... They're going to find someone that's decent, I would think. Out yep. of out of that, definitely. Yep. Well, Jordan Clark was picked up around pick and fourteen. Pick fif- uh, was, yeah, pick fifteen. Yeah. Yep. And picks can change, as we know, they can be swapped. So we may not be selecting pick fourteen on the day, mm. but whether it's pick fourteen, pick sixteen, we'll see what happens. Um, there's should be some diamonds in the rough, no matter there. We, we we've all heard. I think that the word is that. Yep. Number one and number two will go to Gold Coast, being Matt Rowe and. No Rainsworth. No, no um, Anderson. Yeah. No Anderson, sorry. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, it's a, a quite an unknown quantity. Stephen Wells, just back him in to do his thing, I guess. Yes. Uh, again, we tried to speculate perhaps last year a little bit over some of the um, potential draftees, but you don't really know um, really 
who who it is that's going to be selected. I mean, who would have thought that we would have picked up Harry Taylor when we did? Mm. And who would have thought that we would have picked up Mitch Brown when we did? Those mm. two were first-round selections, and they were surprise selections. That's a, Typical you, Wells yeah. pickups. You raised the name there, Harry Taylor, who's, along with Gary Ablett, gone on to play in 2020. I think all Geelong fans are pretty happy with Ablett playing in 2020, given what he provided in the forward line in 2019 mm-hmm. and the fact that it's Gary Ablett Jr. Um, I just don't think we want them playing more than probably 15 games each. I think we've got to be very selective, of, especially yeah. with Gary. I think you want, yeah, you, yeah. You, yeah. you want Gary peaking yeah. at the right time of the year. You especially don't want him to the line Sam like he was Simpson's last year. Sam Simpson's season that he had in the VFL, yeah. who couldn't even get a crack in. I think if this was any other season, if we didn't finish first... He would have got... He would have got games. Yeah. Mm. He got games in 2018. Um, he did really well in signs. 2018, yeah. in, in his first couple of games, and, and Zach Guthrie did as well. And I know a lot of people hate on Zach Guthrie, but you look back at that final against Sydney that we smashed him. Zach Guthrie had some really important moments early, and mm. Sam Simpson did his job really well when he came in. He looked like a broomstick with a black uh, <laughs> wig on top of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, he certainly had a fantastic year in the uh, in the VFL, winning the best and fairest. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the next crop of young kids that we've had on the list for a couple of seasons that just cannot break into this you know senior hardened team that's been pushing the top of the ladder for years now. There's, there's, but there's always going to be someone that steps up, either from the draft that we select or from last year's crop. Like Myers this year. Yeah, or like, yeah, or Atkins or, you know, or a constable type. There's always going to be, I reckon, at least one every season that, you know, shocks us or that's a new inclusion that we uh, didn't have prior to well didn't have in the season prior if that makes sense mm. um you know because who would have thought that we would have myers atkins constable all pushing for for you know um many games this season jordan clark yeah yeah um in yep. a lot of fans books who was jack henry prior to so 2018. Yeah, there you go. Some more well, just didn't know the name really until he made his senior debut in round two in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the names he raised before, along with Gary Ablett signing on for 2020, who has announced that he will play in 2020, Harry Taylor. Mm-hmm. A potential point of controversy here. I'm just looking at the fact that we have. Five current draft picks. Now that can change. Clubs are allowed to trade draft picks or for future 2020 or 21 picks, etc. Or trade them down, etc. For 93 and 38 for maybe a higher second rounder. But as it stands, we have five draft picks. Um, we've delisted four players. JJ Cunico, Scott Selwood, Scritter and Wally Buzzer. The last player that contract expires in 2019 is Lockie Henderson. Hendo played against Richmond, was camped up full forward due to Hawkins' suspension. Um, So he was manned up on Dylan Grimes. And even though maybe set shot-wise, didn't work for Hendo on the night, actually thought he 
competed well. Competed well and did a role in terms of isolating Grimes. Now, for me, Harry Taylor, how many years has he got in him, boys? Is he last year? Is that fair to say? Ten games. <laughs> yeah. Is, is his last game? Yeah. Last year, sorry. Same with Ablett. Ablett's on record saying this will be my last year. Mm-hmm. Hendori, 29 years old. How many years would he have in him as a key fullback position? Possibly I, two more. I think two more because the games that he did play this year, he was fantastic. Especially name, the North Melbourne one. Name a game this year where he put a foot wrong. Yeah. Well, what, what I'd be interested, Jake, if we get the ratings up, the individual player ratings yeah, that we did, yeah. and maybe average them in terms of the games Hendo played, played yeah. compared to Taylor played, yeah. I think Hendo would be actually be above him. Yeah, he was... He was Every game, he, he barely put a foot wrong. and I mean, he obviously had the injury worries. Um, and, and the question that you raised before in regards to how many people that we've delisted and the actual draft picks that we've got, I think the minimum amount of people you can draft is three. But that would I think that would be silly just to draft three people when you have the picks. And like I mean potentially we draft four and if there's nothing at ninety nine, maybe we don't pick ninety nine. Yeah. But yeah. if if there's a Henderson who's is he worth pick ninety nine? I think he's worth more than that. Mm. Lockie. Yeah. You'd be worth more than <laughs> be more worth, than a pick in the nineties, yeah. I would think. Definitely. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that you sort of you don't know until you know probably the day before the draft when the cutoff is to delist you know players currently on the list. But I think he's still certainly got some worth with that experience, and he hasn't looked like you know age has been a factor in in him slowing down. It's just been the injuries. So hopefully he gets some more games next season with Taylor maybe getting less games and it's a bit more of a split and yeah maybe it's a a matter of who we come up against and you sort of move the chess pieces around to make it fit with that yeah you, you, I, I would think you ideally you would have people like Ablett or Taylor playing less interstate games mm, yeah that's it's an idea yeah 2019 Lockie Henderson versus Harry Taylor their stats on paper, intercept possessions, Hendo, 7.4, Taylor, 6.3, um, marks, contested marks, 1.2 to Hendo, Taylor just under 1, 0.9, metres gained, 313.9 to Hendo, 171.5 to Harry Taylor. Hendo is a lot more mobile than Harry Taylor. We saw when we played GWS, Jeremy Cameron, Cameron. made Harry Taylor look silly. Now, that we discussed afterwards whether maybe Blitz or Stewart or another defender should have played more on Cameron because Taylor had him for most of those four quarters. Hendo's, the fact that we can camp him, or the club has the decision to camp him at full forward in a preliminary final against Richmond, of all clubs, just shows his mobility and shows his flexibility. Hmm. And and he he's stated publicly that obviously that's not where he wanted to be. No. And he did the team thing and and did his role. Yeah. You know, imagine if we did have a Josh Jenkins type in that situation, or imagine if we had played you know buzzer for two or three extra games, mm. or another tall forward option. Yeah. And it wasn't just a makeshift forward. You know what could have been? No, I don't want to bring all that up again. But <laughs> um, yeah, certainly I I think Henderson has some currency and still has a. Uh, some uh, positive things to bring for next season. So, 
Yeah, that's I guess it's one of the worries for me. I think yeah. noting Harry has probably got one year left yeah. in him. This will yeah. probably be his final year. Yeah, and, and the AFL, the Hendo AFL is a cutthroat yeah. business as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, you only get one, maybe a couple of chances. Mm. Yeah, we saw Plugger Gardner being delisted at the end of 2018. We were even surprised by that, noting how well he'd been doing in the VFL, up forward and down back, um, and later being picked up by West Coast and... Sorry, not West Coast, Western Bulldogs and playing a few games, um, doing a job of, of sorts. So, Even uh, Tim House. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, who was touted and, as, and, as full back. Yeah, and, and having uh, having Jack Henry ahead of Tim House was a surprise. Hmm. At the for, time, yeah. For plenty of people at the time. Yeah. So that, that's one, I guess, from Stephen Wells. Fantastic job. It, I can't really <laughs> complain about anything that's occurred over the, the draft period um, going into... Sorry, the trade period going into the, the draft period now. But... Just noting that Hendo is still um, the last player on the Cats roster that's contract expires in 2019 and players have to, or at least one more player as it stands, has to make way for um, our indicative draft order. It Mm. does concern me because I think Hendo is is worth definitely having an ice squad. Definitely. Mm. Um, Noting the players that are aging and will be gone by the end of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah. But since then, Jake, there's also been another, another fantastic draft. draft which has occurred. <laughs> the first ever Cats father-daughter selection. Millie Brown selected at number 11. Yeah, it's, well, it's, uh, moment. it's really good to see that the the girls' teams are just going about their business quietly. It's good that it's not like, oh, the, you know, there's a marquee women's match on, you know, Saturday night. Make sure you watch it. It's just like regular thing now. And it's just more footy content, which is what I want to say. It's what it makes me happy. Just yeah, to, it's not like artificially yeah, inflated. Yeah, it's, it's, gen, so it's genuine now. It's not. It's season four it's a bit of, more, yeah, of it's AFLW. A, it's a bit more so, genuine. So yeah. Um, so you mentioned Millie Brown, and Ollie informed me before that Paul, her dad, yep. kicked six goals in in that game against Brisbane, uh, Brisbane Bears, Bears at Carrara, in which the, was the highest ever scoring <laughs> highest game, ever score, so. highest ever score. So there's a bit of uh, history for for some of the Cats fans. They'll know that. Yep. So Millie uh, was picked with pick eleven. Obviously, the father, the daughter. We got Gemma Wright with pick thirty four. B and F from Carlton. Ooh. Yep. Nicole Garner at pick fifty. Mia Skinner with selection 65. Amy McDonald, selection 80, who's been on the VFL list for a couple of seasons. And Madison Maguire with pick 98. So uh, some pretty, oh, a couple of local girls and some pretty good talent that's coming through the the girls' draft there. And I'm, I, for one, am excited for the, uh, the season to come around because it just means footy starts earlier. Mm. Um, and it was honestly one of the best match experiences I experienced myself at uh, GMHPA Stadium earlier this season when Geelong played Collingwood in that round one AFLW game. Uh, it was, yeah, we hung on tight and 
just hung on for a win, but yeah, the crowd was going absolutely crazy. It felt like there was 60,000 people there. It was insane. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it was a different crowd that came out to see the girls, but yeah, they were going nuts and it was a really close and uh, tightly contested game. Obviously, people complained about the scoring issues and the lack of pace and the differences between AFL, but footy's footy. It just and plays a bit more like a country game or something yeah. like that. So Yeah, and... and, and you know, the quality is bound to organically improve. It's improving already. Like, you, you look back at the, uh, the a couple of the marquee games they had a couple of seasons ago where there was just, like, you know, six good players and the rest were all just, like, you know, hacking kicks was it, around. Was it uh, Fremantle and North Melbourne are the two were the two teams last season that were particularly skillful, notable as, yeah. as being rather skillful? Yeah, and there's some, some new teams coming this season as well, which some say will, you know, dilute the talent pool, but... Eventually, it's going to catch up, and the more teams, I think, the better. They just need to get the fixturing right and and the ladder right. None of this conference rubbish, which mm. was just silly. Just have everyone play each other once, and then go into finals. Then don't Give muck them around. The games you play, yeah, yeah. But again, with the the draft picks we have selected there, you look at the players there. All right, Millie Brown joins. Paul played for Geelong. Yep. Okay. Gemma Wright, Carlton VFL best and fairest. Um, Nicole Garner from Casey Demons VFLW grew up in Sale so get a bit of a country girl as well Mia Skinner from Falcons Torquay so just down the road Amy McDonald as well um, Greater Western Victoria Rebels player um, there's a few a few girls in there that are from Geelong and they're going to be or getting, either have been selected yeah. from another VFL club so it seems a bit <laughs> a bit like the the AFL um, similar, team similar like theme of there. you know you, you trade in the local talent yeah. and they're already comfortable and yeah Matty Maguire been in the Cats VFL program yeah. for a couple of seasons now so and she was selected late on I think um, yeah it was 98 or one of the memory. Yeah. Did you see the yeah. um the Richmond AFLW list manager drafted herself to Richmond with pick 95? <laughs> she worked as the recruiting manager for the AFLW and she had just found a spot for herself on the list at pick 95. <laughs> that's that's pretty comical. Hopefully she's not like the uh, the person in charge of contracts because she'll give herself like a million dollar contract <laughs> for the next six years. <laughs> Oh, I just wow. thought that was funny because there's still obviously all the AFLW and VFLW clubs are not necessarily as big, obviously, as the AFL clubs. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of um, players like Darcy Vessio. She's the graphic designer for Carlton and mm. she's like their marquee player. So yeah. there's a lot of uh, girls that work with the clubs already and then end up playing for them, which I think is good. Mm. And keeps still it, have second jobs. Keeps it in the club and, and that sort of thing. Um one of the other things to mention is, you know, Geelong's going to be getting back one of the better recruits, or probably the best recruit, uh, Nina Morrison, mm. will be returning. She'll be back from the the number one injury. Pick. Yeah, so, yeah. That was guttering when, like, we just saw her play this amazing game in round one, and then it was on the Tuesday. It was like, oh, she's done her ACL, and that was it. <sighs> it was terrible. But you know, it's it's a similar scenario to Alex Rance. You're getting yeah, you're getting possibly the best talent, most talented player um, in the last season's draft pool back into your team. 
Didn't matter for them in the end with Dylan Grimes up back, did it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we are in postseason now, and it's been weeks and weeks since the grand final. So the initial emotions and some of the vitriol some from supporters has died down. Um, some catch up sales, people are now flocking again back <laughs> to buying some merchandise. No, for twenty twenty. On the whole, look, I've said this before, where did I pick Geelong to be sitting at the end of 2019? 10th. Yeah, you, Tenth. you didn't think that they were much of a 10th, potentially show. pushing for finals, but 10th. Yeah. We yeah. finished first, yeah. minor premiers, home and away. We gave it a mighty crack in the prelim final. Um, make what you will about the coaching, about Blitzarv spending time on the wing, etc. But I did not hear a single word when we played West Coast at the MCG when Blitzarvs was on the wing and we mm. won that match. Yeah. Quite convincingly in the end. So you, you look at it in hindsight now and Richmond were always coming back. They were clearly the best team in the second half of the season, twelve wins straight. I think we threw everything we possibly could at them in the first half. I don't even think having Hawkins in the team would have, you know, no. people say like, oh, Hawkins cost us that game because he was suspended. That's just silly. I mean, yeah. if... Oh, I, yeah, still it's, it's, Richmond, it's, I still think Richmond would have been... Yeah, because the way too, they came back and like time. you look at... Their intensity after halftime was... Yeah, yeah you look at those level. Trent yeah. Cotchen tackles after in the first 30 seconds of the third quarter and yeah, they completely changed their mindset and they knew they had to pull, you know, themselves yeah. together and, and get themselves over the line, which they did and it would have taken a lot for us to... We would have had to stay have been a, a, a lot further in front to hold on or, you know, done something drastic to stay mm. in front. But, yeah, in hindsight, you, you're pretty proud of the effort over the whole season. Definitely. Um, yeah. And you, you think what could have been, but it, it obviously wasn't meant to be. And we always said it the whole year, if we're not good enough to beat Richmond at the G, then we probably don't deserve to win the grand final. And, and that was exactly what it came down to. Yeah, so. and, and as we've, as we've said um, possibly in other episodes... Uh, Richmond in 2019 had very much um, similar vibes, let's say, uh, to Geelong of 2009. Yeah. So this was their redemptive premiership. Yeah. <laughs> this is because they, you they you know they would argue they ought to have won last year, just as um, Geelong just as Geelong should have been ought to have won in 2008. So mm. yeah. Mm. So we'll keep an eye out for in two years' time for Richmond, or I, I can't cope if they go back to back. Let's just hope it's some random team. Yeah. Um, Sean Grigg from Boy, Richmond a, has speaking joined, of Richmond, yes, exactly has joined the the Cats as a development coach. So maybe some ideas from Hardy can insider information or stem. Yeah. Um, Onto the the cats coaching panel, but be helpful. Yeah, and I think the key. And is he has, to, and he's just to make the point. He's he's seems like a terrific guy as well mm. for culture. Yeah, um, you know he's rather selfless. He gave up his spot on the spot list. Spot on the list yeah. for um, Marlon Pickett to um, to become a one game one premiership player. Yeah, in mm. the end. Yeah, and he was more than happy to do it because he's a obviously a team oriented person this was in the heat of pre um sorry post 
um, preliminary final against the the loss against Richmond. Um, and it was in the moment of the the motions and the vitriol from supporters and the um, the Scott out etc. But hashtag Scott out <laughs> hashtag Scott out that was that was rolling for best part of a week I guess it was interesting times. Um, it's interesting getting feedback and some comments from supporters who aren't Geelong supporters who are able to get a bit of a distance um, mm. to have a look and gather their own opinion and, mm-hmm. and talking to them and, and an Essendon friend saying, you've got to take, take the good with the bad. Imagine being an Essendon supporter 15 years without winning a final, even an elimination final, and Geelong fans, some of them, still find a way to complain. <laughs> Is a, a Collingwood uh, friend regarding sacking coaches. Sacking coaches is an unfortunately too embedded into the culture of AFL slash sport in general these days. It's an easy way out, and typically um, it's weaker. The clubs continue to do it. And if we look down, I guess at Carlton or Saints, we can maybe can create a comparison there. Um, the teams, Brisbane, that, the teams that are constantly chopping and changing their coaching panels are the other ones that stay mm. down the bottom because they don't have that continuity. Mm. A Brisbane Lions friend even messaged me. I didn't actually message. This is purely when we lost and just one text. I disliked Geelong supporters for one reason and it was regarding kind of self-entitlement that we should be winning premierships or grand finals every single year. I don't like fans with that winning expectation purely because a Brisbane Lion fan is used to losing for so long. And when you have clubs like this, Carlton, St. Kilda, Western Bulldogs broke the drought in 2017, Brisbane Lions, Gold Coast, and we've been so fortunate to, for the majority of fans, I guess, that are approximately around our age, to to see three premierships and Mm. for the last 10 years, decade, be in and around finals and in and around prelims. Um, Yes, We'd love to win more prelims. Yes, we'd love to get more grand finals. Uh, should we have done given the last nine years? Yes, we should have done. Yeah. Yes, we should have done. But to go from where we were in 2018, where we just scraped into finals with what was put down on paper as the best midfield group in the list, Gary Ablett Jr., Joel Selwood, Patrick Dangerfield, Tim Kelly burst out into the scene and had, and had a phenomenal Mitch year. Mitch Duncan as well. Mitch Duncan as well in there at times. Um, Cam Guthrie had a fantastic season when it was introduced this year. Um, to change that all for Matthew Knights in the midfield, um, Boris in the forward line, to introduce the pressure acts and the pressure players that, that we had, Grian Myers, Tom Atkins, Luke Dowhouse, and this whole different style of football in 2019 that we've never seen before. Gary Rowan, the first half of the season, we know things slightly changed the second half of the season. It's almost kind of forgotten because of this expectation or because of this feeling that Geelong should win. Or Geelong... Mm. Uh, mm. That, you know, near enough... That, that near enough is not good enough, but... Every club is near to, or every club that finishes in the eight is near to the flag. Only one team every season is happy. Yeah, yeah. There's always that's, room that's, for improvement. That's yeah. the way. That's the way you have to look at it. Yeah. And you have to have that macroscopic, large-scale view. 
yeah. as we've said in previous episodes. Yeah. Um, you know, we, if, we, if we look at Geelong Football Club prior to 2007, mm. you know, it, it wasn't what it is now. Um, so, you know, I, I would, I would argue that some perspective is, is required and we, we often make this argument, but it often keeps coming up. So you often have to keep rebutting. it. I think for anyone that doesn't really understand what significant changes Geelong have made since the nineties days or the late nineties when there was the club was in effectively a, a pretty dire straits to be very honest. Very dire straits. Go and read a book. It's called The Comeback, The Rise and Fall. Um, the little review on Google Books just says, As a boy, James Button fell in love with the Geelong Football Club. It was a family affair. But as the years wore on and the defeats and disappointment mounted, it became clear to him his team would never win a flag. This book tells the story of a glorious mistake. Writing as a reporter, not primarily as a fan, James interviews hundreds of people to tell the story of how one organisation changed its culture on and off the field. He relates not only to the fortunes of the team over 50 years, but of the town of which it's so closely entwined. And he tries to explain why so many of us, whoever we break for, are gripped by an unreasonable passion for football. Essentially... For this club, where it was in the 90s, to sit where it is now with a new record-breaking 66,000 members, the position that we have been for the last decade where we've experienced competition after competition Mm. to keep us in round finals, of course we'd love more flags. Of course things could have gone our way. But they didn't, so we have to deal with that. (laughs) But my big comparison, Jake, is... all right. Let's look at Hawthorne. In my view, Alistair Clarkson's the best coach in the AFL. Fair comment? Oh, yeah. Based on what most people's beliefs are, yes. Okay. Well, they didn't make finals this season. And they've had a few years without making finals. Not consecutively. But they have done. And yes, they had a, an era. Like the Geelong Cats. Um, they've had to go into a rebuild yeah. all of a sudden where there is a, a Mitch Lewis being produced now and there are players and Tom Mitchell unfortunately isn't out there um, James Warple and other likes have to really Step show up. their worth yep why hasn't Geelong have to ha, has to ha, why hasn't Geelong have had to been um, go through that same period go through yeah. a way bureau period yet you ask a Hawthorne fan and their perception or their views towards Alex, Al, Alistair Clarkson, sorry, no uh, bad words. Yeah, at all. they don't. They don't have anything bad no. to say about it. But no. but the, but the argue the rebuttal to that would be that he struck while the iron was hot, mm. and you know he, in he, terms he of got, setting expectations, like, there is a rebuild yeah, here. Or, and, yeah, and but he also but but he also he got the premierships when they got the chances. They took the chances. Mm. Um, so I guess he had like credits in the bank. Yeah. But he, yeah, they still like they still the, they had argue two years can, of straight set losses from yeah. finals, and no, no one, everyone just seems to gloss over that. But then, but they won three in a row. Yeah. That would be the rebuttal again. Yeah, well, I guess <laughs> ours were a bit longer. Our premierships and our success was a bit longer ago, so that's why 
people sort of come people in and to attack Geelong, but people have forgotten how good they were. But and, I don't think it's people period. that attack Geelong. Mm. I think it's Geelong supporters yeah. that attack the can sometimes the yeah. coaching style. Yeah, yeah. I'll, Primarily, you do you think is a, there's that element of the tall poppy syndrome type stuff to a, to a certain extent? I think that's pretty prevalent in 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 footy culture and in supporters um uh culture and you know like prevalent discussion and that sort of thing i think that's i think that's a fair call to make um it's it's obviously prevalent throughout society um but I, I mean, in the sense, we review every match. And we review, obviously, yeah, Blitzarv's in the, on the wing. He didn't have a good game. Against no. West Coast, he actually did have a good game in the wing. Yeah. He had a lot of ball on the wing against Richmond. He just used it horrendously. Yeah. Had a lot of space, had a lot of time, used it horrendously. Um, Brandon Parfitt, Sam Manigola, uh, some of the players that were exposed to the midfield, Quinton Narkel, yes, he's young, yes, Parfitt's young as well, but they didn't have standout games. Mm. And looking back, yeah, there's a lot of talk that, that could be made. And for me, hoping in 2020, I'd love to see what Parfitt could produce, whether it be on the wing, in the centre, what to find his designated position long-term. Um, Manigola, a, a player that was reportedly floated as a trade <laughs> Um, where he fits now this season, the Gary Ablett's still ongoing, playing one more year. Same for Quinton Narkel as well, with Tim Kelly going to West Coast, and there's a position arising in the centre. Um, whether he gets the inside mid-time that he wants in the senior squad, and whether he delivers on that, really. But at the same time, we have to think that what we've improved on since 2018 and how the AFL and the game has changed mm-hmm. since 2015, 2016. Mm. Started with the Western Bulldogs push towards the finals and it's increased in terms of pressure acts, in terms of chaos. contested play, the chaos football as Whaley described it. And it, it's continuing that way. And for, so for coaches, this is a dramatic step to get the head around, I guess, the way the game is played. There's no third man up rule as there was before. So Blitz, as designated position as it was, has changed and changed um, as we saw in finals. But um, it's one of these things that it's an ongoing change. Mm. Um, you have to stay ahead of the curve. Yeah. And consistently to to be around finals, to to give it a crack... To be up at half time by twenty one points against twenty seventeen mm. premiers in a in a I'm game not, that we didn't expect not, to be winning at I'm all. I'm not saying that that's a tick. That's a good. That that's our achievement. Yep, done. Season has clap clap. Mm. But at the same time, I think a lot <laughs> can just be lost. Jordan Clark's introduction, Grant Myers' introduction, Tom Atkins' introduction, Luke Dalhouse's season. Reece Stanley, what he produced first half of the year. Gary Rowan, what he produced first half of the year. Gary Ablett's Ford line game in 2019, which no one really expected after his season in 2018, mm. which was below par by his standards and by every 
media personality. Um, Tom Hawkins continuing being Tom Hawkins. <laughs> Jake Collar Jasney's emergence from the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. will hopefully, assuming he stays at the club, be there long term and play over well over a hundred games. Yeah. Yeah, there's Jack this... Henry continuing to do Jack Henry things. Tom Stewart, all Australian again, looks like a machine. Charlie Constable not being able to get into the team. Sam Simpson not being able to get into the team. Quinton Narkel not being able to get into the team until later in the second half of the season, even though they had all really, really bright games in the VFL. Same for Scott Selwood, a senior player who was playing really well in the VFL. Lockie Henderson not having a spot in the team due to Harry Taylor there um, and where he plays at times. Competition for places and the way that the club has changed its mindset in terms of going into football and how the match has dictated these games. Mm -hmm. Um, There was talk of Goldstein coming to Geelong and whether an offer was made or not. Um, but since then, I, I guess you look at yeah they've changed they've changed and tact they've changed yeah. tact and they went away from yeah from looking at um you know the the out and out ruckman selection in in a Goldstein yeah well twenty sixteen the ruckman the, the premiership ruckman Jared Ruffett twenty seventeen Toby Nankervis he Sean, would be in and, and, and the top Greg. eight ruckman in the competition. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah, and Greg was the other one. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think a, a huge key ruckman or a, a ROB Lyset type hybrid is absolutely crucial. I'd a love Brody Grundy, Grundy yeah, I'd, I'd, a seven-year <laughs> contract, Adelaide. <laughs> I'd love but, Brody Grundy to come to the Cats, but that's not likely. <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I I don't think that, in my view, I'll put this up a debate. My view, the ruck position should not be explored. I think we I think have hitouts to advantage yeah. are key. I think we but have racking enough. up forty forty five hitouts mean nothing to me, mm. unless the hitouts to advantage. It's twenty hitouts to advantage are the ones you want. Exactly, it, it doesn't matter, and it's a contested crumb, and these are where the guys that really come into play, being Tim Kelly, being Danger being potentially at times we hope Jack Stephen to provide a little bit in the centre but from where the clubs come there's I guess I'm speaking there's a lot to, to be excited the, about the wider sure. Geelong fans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where the clubs come in the space of over 20 years to now mm. um, and yet there's still quite a lot of uh, vitriol or emotion emotionally fueled responses towards the club and its hierarchy there. But I'll just make the point that that's... Throw something that, back at me if I'll you just want. make the point that that's, that's just footy though. You're just going to get Peaks people that people that want to vent. But Hawthorne is my... Hawthorne, compar- is, the, Hawthorne is the comparison. Um, and Hawthorne fans love to compare themselves to Geelong in, in a... Um, in a fierce rival mm. type manner, and they always think they've got you know the the better end of the deal, let's say, um, than to, to Geelong. They no doubt 
have a higher opinion of themselves than than um than of Geelong fans. Um, but uh, Geelong fans would also have a higher opinion of themselves than Hawthorne fans. Mm. So it's that's just the nature of footy. That's the rivalry. That's the fans, and the fans are. You know, it's 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 the masses. They go to the games to yell and scream and get get some frustration out mm. from the working week. <laughs> and um, you know, you you're going to have you're going to have some people. That's, that's all well and fine, but when you hear the reports coming out towards the social media vitriol, it's directed towards oh, yeah. players itself. Yeah. yeah, and what they're receiving, yeah. especially. Yeah, especially when especially when you can. Um, specifically uh, comment or specifically tag the, per- the, the, the person's and, yeah. like official account. And the introduction um, of social media certainly hasn't helped. Yeah, that. it hasn't, it just, hasn't helped it at all. But. It's just fueled the whole fire in, in regards to how people can comment on little things sometimes, but yeah. a lot and, of people and every, and every little voice. thing, every little thing has a microscope over it now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah call me Orwellian or something but if I was a coach <laughs> nowadays I'd tell my players do not touch yeah. any social media app at all yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, that'd be a fair that'd be a revolutionary call but it'd be probably a necessary one at times for sure but certainly as you said Rowan in terms of next year there's a lot to look forward to and I think people are like I said before have got that feeling of if this year was our last shot, the next year certainly is our last shot immediately. But there's certainly hope for the future, as as we've talked about all year, with all these young kids that are there in Asava and Clark and Constable and Myers and all these sort of guys. But um, there's certainly lots of hope for the future. Oh, without doubt. And... and um we're likely to to put together a, a few uh, bits and pieces for the for the fans in in coming weeks just to um, remind everyone of, of of the talent that we have um, on the list at the at the club. My hope going around, but all right, let's for, fast forward twelve months. I want to throw a question at you, Jake. Okay, Hello. Gary Ablett retires. Harry, Harry Taylor retires. Tom Hawkins potentially retires has got one year remaining probably left in his career and Geelong don't win a premiership now I'm a fan that thinks that on paper the players that we have we should have won a premiership that we should have been involved in more grand finals in Chris Scott's Mm. era what is your response to that in 12 months time well it's it's very hypothetical I'm throwing throwing under the bus but I, I guess for the fact that this has happened, I guess, for the best part of a decade. Well, I think we have been. I think they're. Um, so. I think they're more. It's more percentage chance to succeed with those players rather than starting again or getting rid of them and just going to the draft and injecting more young players. And but both of them are really hypothetical. But you've obviously still got that experience there. You haven't, you know, bottomed out and then just like started again. We haven't necessarily topped up with, you know, older semi-retired players, but we have got immediate experienced players to come in and hopefully fill some gaps that players 
have left on the way out. And I think the the idea is, like you said, I'll strike while the iron stays lukewarm yep. <laughs> <laughs> and try and get what you can while the heat's still there. And because yep. obviously, yeah, I, I reckon once those players are gone, it's probably one or two seasons out of immediate contention. There's probably still a top eight contention for the next 10 years for Geelong based on the youth that we do have and the list that we do have and the experience that the organisation as a whole has. But, um, yeah, it would be... Uh, I mean, it would be a frustration if nothing eventuated at the end of next season based on the decisions that was made in the last two months from certain players and from the club. But, yeah, it's just a wait-and-see sort of thing and, and just everyone needs to be on the same page and knuckle yeah. down and do their best. And just be... And just be frank about it. I mean, we have a 1 in 18 shot every season. 1 in 17. Gold Coast is part of the league. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that is... Uh, Statistical. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah, you... You know, out of, out of all the teams... Out of all the teams in the league, you have, you have one chance. And then, and then when you make finals, it's a 1 in 8. It's still not the highest probability that you're actually going to do what you're hoping to do. Um, you're going to fail more often than you succeed, but that's what makes the success so good. And that's why we were minor premiers in 2019, because of what we saw from other clubs, our failure in 2018, Ablett in the mid, etc. Yeah, and you're able to then adapt. And that was adapted, and that was acted on with Grind Myers being introduced introduced to the team, Luke Dalhouse and Gary Rowan being uh, pinpointed as players that we wanted. Mm-hmm. I guess my last point I want to finish on is when I walked in here, I saw you boys watching highlights from Jordan Clark. That just tells it all for me in terms of 2020, in terms of ongoing, in terms of Geelong fans generally and looking forward, I guess. Well, yeah. yeah, he's going to be a star. So as long as we hold on to him, yeah. And and the other crop of kids that have come through, there's certainly yeah. lots to look forward to, and yeah, I, I can't wait already for next season to come around. Probably have it podcast, or we will have podcast post trade period, and draft, and draft, yeah, yeah to see our what, final list. What's and going on? <laughs> what's going on? What's going on? Hendo's um... <laughs> Hendo update day five <laughs> hasn't left house. <laughs> I've been parked out here for five days. And he hasn't <laughs> <laughs> Until then, I guess. Let's go, cats, as usual. Yeah, let's go. And, well, go Stephen Wells for the interim time. Go, Steve. <laughs> Work your magic, Stephen. He'll slip him a pineapple if he does a good job. <laughs> go, cats. Let's do it. Go, cats. <laughs>